This is the Morning Rush. Coming up on today's show. The West Virginia Boys State Basketball Tournament gets underway today in Charleston. We'll look at some of those games. The Pens and Caps were both on the road last night. And a couple takeaways from those games. The Penguins, what are you doing against a team that's already out of the playoffs? And Tom Wilson at it again. I know I'm shocked. I am beside myself. I just, it's unbelievable that Tom Wilson, one of the biggest blankety blanks to ever lace up skates, uh, in trouble again. The NBA play in tournament, yay or nay? And uh, unfortunately, a, a, a very, uh, on a more serious note, a tragic. Uh, shooting involving a Woodrow Wilson basketball player. And we'll get into that uh, later on as well. All that and more uh, coming up in the next two hours of the Morning Rush. Good morning to you. How the heck are you? So glad to have you on board. So glad you could take some time to tune in and hang out as we kick off yet another essential work day. Several ways to get involved on the show, as always. Our Twitter pages at ESPN Morning Rush or at Rush Tony C. If you don't know what Tom Wilson did last night, check out those Twitter pages because I retweeted a couple videos. And you'll see exactly why everybody, uh, except Capitals fans, of course, and head coach Peter Laviolette, you'll see why everybody around the league is justifiably upset once again at Tom Wilson. Also, our Facebook page at Cumberland's ESPN Radio. All those pages, free and open to the public. Like them, follow them, and uh, drop me a line whenever you want to. Also, taking your calls on the rush line, 301-759-2628. Your chance to dial and dance. Shum on. 301-759-2628. And, of course, our podcast page on the free Podbean app. We upload every show every day, minus commercials. So you can go back and check out anything we've done if if you missed it. Like, for instance, if yesterday, if you missed our interview with Hampshire boys basketball coach Danny Alkire, who they are leaving today, making their very first trip to Charleston for the Boys State Basketball Tournament. Uh, that interview up on the podcast page uh, from yesterday. So there you go. Several ways to get involved on the show. All right, let's kick off this show as we kick off every show with a rock around the region. I want to rock! And we start with Major League Baseball, where the Pirates' Tyler Anderson took a no-hitter into the seventh inning last night in San Diego, but the very first batter of that inning was Will Myers. Broke at bat, ground ball through the right side, base hit for Will Myers. And Machado will move on to third. Not only is the no-hitter gone, but now first and third with nobody out, the Padres threatening to take an early lead. Joe blocked the call on the Pirates radio network, and they did take the lead 
as Machado scored from third on a sack fly, and then... 1-1, a fastball hit to right center, and that's down. That's going to score Myers easily. Nola will head into second with a two-out RBI double. San Diego leads 2-0 in the seventh. 2-0 the final, as Anderson loses the no-hitter and the game because the Pirates were shut out for the second game in a row. They have not scored a run in 20 straight innings, and they have now lost five straight. Elsewhere, the Orioles rallied past the Mariners in Seattle 5-3. Cedric Mullins and Freddie Galvis each hit a two-run homer in a five-run eighth inning for Baltimore, which has now won four of its last five. Now the Nationals were off yesterday. They open a three-game series tonight against Atlanta, at Nationals Park. On the ice last night, move over Pittsburgh. The Capitals are back in first place. To Backstrom along the near board and a turnover in front. Alone is Sprong, a shot, and he scores! Daniel Sprong picks up a turnover in front of Shesterkin, and it's 4-3 Washington. John Walton, the call on the Capitals radio network, 6-3 the final as Washington got the win at MSG without TJ Oshie, Evgeny Kuznetsov, and Alex Ovechkin. Ovechkin came back from injury, played one shift, and then didn't come back. Uh, Nick Dowd had a goal and assist for the Caps, who are now tied with Pittsburgh for first in the East Division with 71 points. The Pens were absolutely destroyed last night by the Flyers in Philly, 7-2. Sidney Crosby, Jason Zucker scored for the Penguins, who did get Evgeny Malkin back on the ice after a uh, 23-game absence. In the NBA... The Wizard of Westbrook did it again in Washington. Westbrook, top of the arc, foul line, floats a gap and slam. Two hands, two hands, and there it is. Russell Westbrook is tied his career high with 24 assists, and he does it on a Daniel Gafford slam that makes it 152-139 with 112 left. And he ties the franchise record with Kevin Porter for 24 assists. The call on Federal News Radio, 14 points. A career-high 21 rebounds and a career-tying 24 assists for Russell Westbrook as the Wizards beat the Pacers 154-141 in D.C. Rory Hachimura had 27 points and Bradley Beal had 26 for Washington, which now trails Indiana by just a half game for the ninth spot in the Eastern Conference. And in high school hoops, the West Virginia Boys State Tournament gets underway today in Charleston in the very first game of the day around 9.30. In Class A, number 3 Pendleton County puts its 35-game win streak on the line when it faces number 6 Greenbrier West. Later today at 5.30, 8th-seeded Tucker County takes on number 1 Man, and then right after that in Double A, uh, number 8 Moorfield, Faces number one, Williamstown. And that is your Rock Around the Region brought to you by the Caporale Group. Uh, Back to uh, Russell Westbrook. And what he did last night (laughs) was historical. I gave you the numbers. 14 points, 21 boards, 24 assists. Just the third time in NBA history a player had 20-plus rebounds, 
and 20-plus assists in the same game. Wilt Chamberlain, the only other player to do it, he did it twice, and that's it. And Westbrook has been absolutely insane this season. He now has 32 triple-doubles this season alone, which is 10 off his own record of 42 in one season. His 32, of course, leads the league. He has 178 for his career, which is three shy of Oscar Robertson's all-time triple-dub record. Westbrook, to put it in kind of perspective here, has 40 more triple-doubles in his career than Magic Johnson, who, uh, says Wizards head coach Scott Brooks, may be the only person to play point guard better than Westbrook. Everybody's described him in so many different ways. I've been fortunate to see him for eight years do a lot of things that are pretty much superhuman at times. Point guards don't do what he does. He's no, They're not built that way. There might be some that can probably shoot better. There might be some that probably can do a certain things better, but there's nobody in the history of the game that can do what he does throughout the stat sheet. I used to always say, He's going to probably go down as the third best point guard ever, but I think he's past one, and he's going to go down as probably the second best. And one is obviously magic. He's going to what he does. There's no point guard has ever done it. I want to know who the third one was. I want to know who who he thinks Westbrook passed up. Stockton, maybe. Like was that how you would rank him? Like best point guards ever? Magic Stockton. He said he thought Westbrook would be the third best one. Who was the other one? Anyway, uh, what about the man himself, Westbrook, after his monster game? I am very grateful and thankful and to be able to go out and, and compete and you know have my imprint on the game. And each night I try to figure out ways to be able to impact winning and impact my team. And uh, tonight was one of those nights where certain things are rolling, guys are rolling, and my job is to be able to find them. And as a point guard and that's playing this position. You got to be able to make somebody around you better. And I feel like I um, take a lot of pride and effort and energy and, and time and watching film and uh, to be able to make others around me better. Now, as for the game itself, the Wizards set a franchise record with 50 assists. Of course, Westbrook nearly had half of them, went 24. They scored 96 points in the paint which is the most in an NBA game since 1989. Washington is kind of on a roll. Remember, they were rolling uh, heading into the All-Star break, and then the break kind of came at the worst time because they came out of the break and kind of flopped. Well, now they're rolling again. They've won 13 of their last 16 to move right into the thick of the playoff chase in the Eastern Conference. That win last night, as I mentioned, in the Rock Around the Region, pulled them to within a half game of Indiana for the ninth spot in the East. It also gave them the tiebreaker over the Pacers, should it come down to that, because Washington has won the first two meetings between the teams with only one more game to go, and that's actually this Saturday at Indiana. And they are also a game and a half behind Charlotte for the eighth spot. Which is very important with this newfangled uh, play-in tournament. Now, it's it's very unlikely, 
highly unlikely they can catch the Celtics. The Celtics are in the seventh spot right now, and Washington trails Boston by four with only seven games left. So I highly doubt, barring a major collapse from Boston, that the Wizards can catch them for the seventh spot. But the eighth spot is not, you know, it's not out of the question. As long as the Wizards continue to win. And again, there's only uh, seven games left. As far as the teams uh, behind them, as I pull up the standings real quick, I thought I had them up, and I don't. There you go. Uh, Washington is now, remember, I said Washington has seven games left. They are now three in front of Toronto and four in front of Chicago. So things look very, very good right now for the Wizards to, at the very least, play in that play-in tournament. Because right now they're in the 10th spot. If they beat Indiana again on Saturday, they can jump over them into the 9th spot, which means they would host that 9-10 game, or they can even go into the 8th spot, which, again, is very important. And we'll kind of break down the whole play-in thing a little bit later on. Because this play-in tournament uh, has gotten a whole lot of run lately, mainly because of what LeBron James said uh, just a couple of days ago. It doesn't matter at the end of the day if I'm not, uh, you know, 100% close to 100%. It don't matter, you know, where we land. Uh, you know, that's my mindset. You know, if this happens to uh, we end up at six or fifth or, or, or whatever the case may be, or if we end up in the, you know, the playoff, uh, whatever that thing is, whoever came up with that shit, uh, need to be fired. Um, but whatever. Whoever came up with that playing bleep should be fired. That's what he said a couple days ago after they lost to Toronto. Uh, old LeBron, like he really has no problem uh, lately going after people in their jobs, right? I mean, he's pretty pretty quick to pull the trigger on on saying, "Hey, go after people uh, and get them fired." Now, look, I'm not necessarily a fan of this new play-in tournament. But old LeBron uh, was singing quite a different tune last season when he said he was in favor of a play-in tournament uh, to avoid teams from tanking the season. Of course, the big difference there is he said that last season when the Lakers were comfortably on top of the Western Conference and didn't have to worry about playing in a play-in tournament. But now, now the Lakers are currently the fifth seed and only one game out of that play-in tournament. And here he is calling for people's jobs because they dare go through with something that he was in favor of a year ago. Funny how quickly things turn. (laughs) For as great as LeBron James is, is this dude not one of the biggest clowns in professional sports? I mean, seriously. Does anybody whine and cry more than LeBron James? Seriously. Maybe Aaron Rodgers. Maybe, oh, this would be a great pay-per-view event. Maybe we can get LeBron James and Aaron Rodgers together to have like a cry-off, right? Put them in a ring or put them in a room And let's see who can be the biggest baby in professional sports. LeBron or Aaron? How about that? 
Can we have a battle royal? Who else can we throw in there? Who else can we throw in? Maybe that should be a great question of the day. Who are the biggest whiners and criers in professional sports? And then we can have like a battle royal and throw them all in. You can charge 55 bucks a pop and let them just whine and cry about everything until one ultimate winner is chosen. <laughs> I like it. Somebody, let's make it happen. I might, as a matter of fact, uh, during the break, put that up on Twitter. That could be our question of the day. And you can respond at ESPN Morning Rush. Who, in your opinion, are the biggest whiners and criers in professional sports? Those two just jump off the page right off the top of my head. I know there's got to be more. Who who was it uh, recently? Was it Russell Wilson? Was he kind of uh, complaining a little bit in Seattle? Because, you know, uh, he wants more input on who they, you know, in personnel, blah, blah, blah. There's got to be more. Maybe I'll do some research uh, during the break. Now, look, <laughs> again, I think this play-in tournament is weak. All right, And in case you don't know how it works, when the regular season is over, the seven seed will play the eight seed. And the nine will play the ten, which is why the Wizards are still alive as a ten seed. So it's a seven-eight game and a nine-ten game. Whoever wins the seven-eight game is automatically in as the seven seed, right? They lock in a spot. Whoever loses the nine-ten game is done. Their season is over. So you get one shot to stay alive. If you lose a nine-ten game, you're out. The loser of the 7-8 game plays the winner of the 9-10 game. Does that make sense? To determine who will be the 8 seed. Now, it would certainly make for some good drama, right? A handful of basically one-game playoffs. But I don't like it. I don't like it because that's what you have the regular season for. Like The regular season should determine the seedings, right? That's why you play the games. And I've complained before and hear about some of the way you know, the things they do in high school basketball in West Virginia, how a lot of times regular season records just get thrown out the window and they vote on certain things. It's ridiculous. But unless there's a tie in the standings, there, there shouldn't be any one-offs. There shouldn't be any one-game playoffs. Playoffs. Right? If you finish seven and eight, then you should be seven and eight. If you're sitting in the nine ten spot, if you're not good enough to get up into that seven eight range, then sorry, your season's over. You weren't good enough. And I, I, I remember last year when they did when they did this playing thing. There was a, a stipulation that you had to be within a certain number of games to get into this playing thing. Like I think it was four. Like you had to be within four games of the team ahead of you or whatever in order for you to get into this plan, which I, still is dumb. Now, I don't know if that same stipulation holds true now. Like what if a seven seed is, is six games ahead of the eight seed? Why should they have to play a playing game after finishing six games in front? 
Like it doesn't make any sense. So I, again, I know why the NBA is doing it for the same reason the NFL added an extra regular season game. Same, you know, same reason why baseball expanded the playoffs. All these things were done supposedly because of the pandemic last year. Well, except for the 17-game NFL season that was done this year. But now they realize, hey, we have an opportunity to get more teams involved and play more playoff games, which means, of course, more money. And that's what it's always about. As we said in this show many, many times before, if you don't know why something's done in professional sports, follow the money and you'll get your answer. So there's no question that this play-in tournament is for more money to get an additional two teams involved, and which yeah, it'll it'll make for good television it, for NBA fans. Why not? But then why play seventy-two? Well, this year it's seventy-two. It's usually eighty-two games in a regular season. I don't like it. I do not like it. So I can understand why LeBron James wouldn't like it. But again, he wasn't singing that tune last year, was he? And we'll continue to talk about this next. we got news and weather coming up and then more of the play-in talk and LeBron talk in just a bit. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, Cumberland's ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. Talking about LeBron James uh, crying and whining once again. I know. Shocking. Not in favor, he says, of the play-in tournament in which seven plays eight and nine plays ten. Not in favor at all. Of course, last year, uh, he was singing a different tune. Uh, Was he not Stephen A. Smith? You weren't saying this when y'all were a top two seed. You're saying it now. You see what I'm saying? You're saying it now because you find yourself having to compete to avoid bubble play. And that's something that he needs to reflect upon. And like Perk said, you should be happy. You should be upset at your teammates because the Lakers should not be this bad without LeBron James. Yeah, you don't have to be what you were with him, but you could at least be a 500 teams. They're like, I mean, they're like 8 and 14 in their last 22 games or so. That's unacceptable. The fact that you've fallen off to this degree should say something, particularly when you've played with LeBron enough, where even though he's the catalyst, Max, and he leads the way, you've been with him enough to know what you're supposed to be doing, even when he's not on the floor. And the fact that that doesn't appear to be the case and everything's a bit discombobulated, we got to look at Frank Vogel right now, but we also got to look at the rest of those players because you shouldn't be falling apart at the seams like this. Last year, when the Lakers were on top of the Western Conference, and it was fine to have a play-in tournament, said LeBron James. Yeah, we don't need teams tanking in the NBA. Let's have a play-in tournament. Let's get more teams about. Sure. But this year, as the Lakers scuffle along with injuries to LeBron and Anthony Davis, and now they sit in the fifth seed, right? Now the, the defending NBA champs might have to fight for their lives in a series of one-game playoffs, and oh, no, no playing tournament. Ah, no. Only if we're good. Right? That's what LeBron's saying. Only if we're good. 
Should there be a playing tournament? But if we, if we have to be involved in it, then no. We don't want it. And the person who came up with it uh, should be fired. That's what he said. That's what he said. A little more than a year after saying he was in favor of it, <laughs> he says the guy should be fired for coming up with a play-in tournament. Flip-flop much, LeBron? Now, L.A. Times columnist uh, Bill Plaschke, who was on uh, Around the Horn yesterday, he says LeBron is right about the play-in tournament. But he also has the right to be scared. No, LeBron is right, and he was right last year about the pandemic. It's a different situation now. You don't need the, – the season should be able to determine the, the top eight seeds. You don't need all these extra games. But the fact that he would even bring this up – tells you how worried he is about the Lakers and how worried he should be about the Lakers. It's not that they're worried about losing the playing game. It's that they're worried about losing the practice time they would get if they weren't in the playing game. And this team needs practice. They're 1-6 since AD came back. They're 0-2 since LeBron came back. They, they can't figure out, the, figure out the defense. Kyle Kuzma says they're not connected, and they're not connected, and they need time. And they'll be fine if they get this t- practice time on the court together, but a playing game is going to mess that up. And so I don't blame LeBron for being upset, and he's worried. They ought to be worried. Just win. Hey, oh, he's upset and he's worried. Just win and you don't have to worry about it. Nobody's fault but your own if your team is stuck in the five hole right now. And that's the way the standings are. Lakers right now are the fifth seed in the West. And they're only a half game ahead of Dallas for the sixth spot. And they're only one game ahead of number seven Portland. And Golden State is in the eighth spot. Uh, three games behind Portland. Now look, the Lakers only have seven games left. And they're at the Clippers Thursday, which won't be easy. And they're at the Blazers on Friday. Which means that they could very well slip to that seventh spot by the weekend. Which could set up a potential play-in game against Steph Curry and the Warriors. Which would be great television for NBA fans. The guys on the highly questionable discuss. There is a distinct possibility that we could wind up with that play in tourney having the Lakers and the Warriors, LeBron and Steph, playing one game to get into the playoffs. That sounds low key fantastic, which would then be followed by those superstars getting in and playing against the one seed in the West. Hey, LeBron, I hate to break it to you, but uh, this is just for fun, and it's starting to sound like fun. Why? Because y'all seem to be sorry enough to play in it. The contrivance is working for you then, Bo. The closer we get to it, you're sold. Because I do get it. Like, for the fans, for everybody else watching, like, I absolutely get what the play-in tournament does. It gives these games meaning. And frankly, if you have a situation like this, it creates for a potential amazing uh, 1-8 matchup. However... Just from the eyes of a competitor, we play 72 games this year and every other year 82 games. That should be enough to decide the seedings. We're not going in, and I've said this a few times, we're not going in and playing a play-in for the number one seed, are we? Because that has already been decided based on the regular season schedule. But 
in the bigger picture, which is more important, the 7, 8, 9, and 10 seed players being happy or the rest of the league getting a bunch of watchable games and fans saying, hey, I really like that. If my 7, 8, 9, 10 team can't win a championship, I'll call it a victory just getting into the playoffs because we won the play-in tournament. I don't love it, obviously, but I understand where you're coming from, Bo, but I also understand where LeBron is coming from, even though... Last year, he had the exact opposite opinion. He loved this thing as long as his team isn't close to it. The problem is not that we have this playing game. The problem is that LeBron's in it, and he was hurt, and Anthony Davis were hurt all year, and they might potentially end up in it. That's the only problem with this because you're right. We've gotten a lot more watchable games towards the end of the regular season. We get a couple eminently watchable one-game playoffs at the beginning of the playoffs because that's the thing we love the most about college basketball. And then we get the playoffs after that. Like, I don't think there's much to complain about. It's going to bring up revenue, potentially. It's going to give more entertainment value for us. All of this is good unless LeBron plays one game, loses, and then doesn't play for the rest of the playoffs. Let's see, Dominique, you hit on what the real problem is. The real problem is it looks like the Lakers are going to be the seventh seed in the West. Like, they look bad right now. There's a distinct possibility they wind up literally not making the playoffs, which would make for a great play-in tournament. But Adam Silver might get rid of it next year for that very reason. <laughs> One thing about the NBA, when they mess around and get some anomalous outcomes, job one is to make sure that this never happens again. So here's the thing. And and they're right. If the Lakers fall into this play-in tournament and they don't, you know, make one of the seven or eight seeds, they'll never happen. This will never happen again. They need the Lakers. You know how we always say, you know, baseball is always better when the Yankees are good. Because you either love them or hate them. The Lakers are the same way. The Lakers in the playoffs is one of the biggest markets in the NBA or in the country in any sport. If the defending champs are one and done, <laughs> the playing tournament ain't coming back next year. That's not happening. But here's the thing that has me kind of scratching my head. The Lakers, they had lost three in a row. They're on a three-game slide heading into last night. And they took on Denver. Denver, one of the hottest teams in the league. They had won, I think, seven of their last nine going into last night. So here's LeBron James complaining about the playing tournament, how there shouldn't be one, and how he's he's obviously scared that the Lakers might fall into it. And he didn't play last night. He didn't play. Now, they played on Sunday. Again, they lost to Toronto. And I guess he was experiencing some ankle soreness in the fourth quarter on Sunday because he had just come back from a high ankle sprain, a tragically devastating high ankle sprain. So back-to-back games, he didn't play. He didn't step on the floor last night. The great LeBron James. So worried that his team might fall into a play-in spot. So worried. So dead against this play-in tournament. You would think that he would do whatever he could to make sure his team doesn't fall into that play-in tournament. You would think that he'd be able to overcome some ankle soreness. Since we're heading down the home stretch with six, seven games left in the season. You would think he would do whatever he could, even if he played 20, 25 minutes. But instead, this clown 
who calls for people's jobs for coming up with a play-in tournament can't even take the floor. Don't even play. Incredibly, the Lakers won. They actually beat Denver last night, 93-89. So they snapped that three-game losing streak. But could you imagine? Can you imagine what would have happened if he comes out and he complains and he cries and he whines about this playing tournament and then doesn't play and they lose last night? And maybe they fall. Can you imagine? That ankle must have been really sore. That ankle must have been really hurting for him to not even take the floor in a pretty important game to stay out of that awful, terrible play-in tournament in the NBA. All right, when we come back, Tom Wilson, here we go again. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, Cumberland's ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. Now, stop me if you've heard this one before. The Capitals' Tom Wilson uh, needs to be kicked out of the NHL. I know. Shocking. Because that's what a lot of people were saying last night after yet another dirty play by Wilson. Uh, Two, as a matter of fact. Caps were playing the Rangers at MSG. Caps won the game 6-3, but whatever. In the second period, uh, New York's Pavel Bushnevich goes to the net, right? Trying to score. And he ends up stomach first on the ice. That's when Wilson uses his stick with both hands to push Bushnevich's head and face into the ice. Based, and, he, and he was leaning on him, too. And while he's down, for good measure, he punches Buchnevich in the back of the head. But that wasn't even the worst of it. No, 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 no. Because this is Tom Wilson. Wilson was uh, pulled off of uh, Buchnevich by Ryan Strome. And then, of course, a hockey scrum ensued. Artemi Panarin gets involved. He tries to stop Wilson from punching Strom. And then Wilson and Panarin kind of peel away from the scrum. And then Wilson, the little bee that he is, pulls Panarin down by his hair. Panarin has long hair. And body slams him to the ice. Fortunately, shoulder first and not head first. Panarin left the game and never came back with what they describe as a lower body injury. And if you don't follow hockey, you don't watch hockey, you have to understand how dangerous that is. Because we kind of forget, because these guys are so good at it, that they're on skates. They're on ice. And it's real easy to lose an edge or lose your balance. I mean, look, you ever slip on ice and get slammed? It hurts. And I know it's happened to a lot of us. You just you step and then whoop, and all of a sudden you're airborne. And then you slam to the ground and it is painful. And there's a thing in hockey, and it's very dirty, and it's called a slew foot. 
And basically what this is, it's where a player kicks a player's skate out from behind. When Wilson pulled Panarin's hair, which again, you talk about, I mean, what are you, in, in second grade? When he pulls him back by his hair, it basically had the same effect as a slew foot. Panarin's head and shoulders go back. His skates go out from underneath him. And Wilson drives him into the ice. And then if that wasn't bad enough, with Panarin face down on the ice, Wilson grabs him by the back of the jersey, picks him up, and then slams him face first into the ice again. And this all happened within like a minute's time, a minute and a half. And I actually I tweeted and retweeted the videos uh, on our Twitter pages, at ESPN Morning Rush and at Rush Tony C. Check them out. Wilson, because it's hockey, was assessed a double minor and a 10-minute game misconduct, which actually allowed him to finish the game. And he scored an empty netter, which was the ultimate <laughs> insult to injury. Now, after the game, uh, Rangers head coach David Quinn rightfully not happy. Yeah, well, we all saw it. And there are lines that can't be crossed in this game. And it's just, to me, it's just a, it's just zero respect for the game in general. And, you know, you got one of the star players in this league now who could have got seriously, seriously hurt in that incident. It's just, you saw what happened. And, uh, you know, happens time and time again, again with them. And it's just, uh, it's totally unnecessary. And it's, uh, it's just, you all saw what happened. And it's just, uh, like I said, it's just zero respect for the game and the players and everybody involved. Now, Quinn was also asked what needs to be done to stop Wilson's goonery. And he said, quote, the league's been dealing with this for a while. That's an answer for somebody else, end quote. And the league has been dealing with it for a while because the league hasn't put a stop to it. Little suspension here, little suspension there. But they've never dropped the hammer on one of the biggest pieces of garbage to ever lace up skates, and that's Tom Wilson. And I don't care if you like it or not. And that's why Panarin's teammate, uh, Mika Zabinijad, said that we really shouldn't be surprised by any of it. I figured we should have some more respect for the game and for the players. And um, Yeah, I don't, I don't even know. I don't honestly know where to start. Um, it's just horrible. There's zero respect and and um i don't know i don't know why why i'm why i'm surprised but um yeah it's just horrible and of course after the game caps head coach peter laviolette makes himself look ridiculous by saying ah it was just a scrum it's just physical play it happens a lot yeah it happens a lot with tom wilson this dude's been suspended five times in his career including seven games just this past march for boarding uh, Boston's Brandon Carlo. And I've said this before in the show, and I have to say it again because nothing ever happens. It is time for the NHL to finally drop the hammer on this clown and kick him out for the rest of the season, maybe for the rest of his career. Kick him out for the rest of the season, miss all the playoffs, and make him apply for readmission next season. Like, I have no idea why it's taken so long for the league to kick this piece of garbage out. And that's what he is. And I don't care if we're a Capitals affiliate. I have to call it like it is. Wilson is one of the dirtiest and most dangerous players to ever lace him up. And his ass needs to be gone, out, done. Before somebody, I mean, what has to happen? 
Seriously. Right? Maybe he pulls Panarin down by the hair and he cracks open his skull and he bleeds out on the ice. Is that what it's going to take? Yeah. What if he boards somebody again or blindsides somebody again and breaks somebody's neck? I mean, is that would that get it done? I mean, what does it what does this guy have to do? Tom Wilson is one of the most dangerous players in the history of the sport because of his blatant disregard for other players and blatant disrespect for the game itself. Throw the book at this clown and get him out before somebody really, really gets hurt because he doesn't care. And look, if the league's not going to do it, then maybe somebody needs to. And I'm actually surprised in a sport that kind of prides itself you know, for policing itself, I'm surprised somebody hasn't taken matters into their own hands. By the way, Caps and Rangers play again tomorrow. If the league does not do something to stop Tom Wilson, somebody needs to step up and do it for him and, and, and fall on the sword. Two-hand chop, break a bone, do something. I'm serious. And I hate to say I hate to be that way. I really do. But if the league isn't going to put a stop to Tom Wilson because Tom Wilson needs stopped before he kills somebody on the ice, then somebody needs to take him out. Somebody needs to fall on the sword and end Tom Wilson's career before he, he ends somebody else's. That's what it's going to take. And you know what? You know whose fault it's going to be? It's going to be the NHL's. It'll be the NHL's fault because they didn't put a stop to it when they should have put a stop to it. And I looked on the NHL's uh, website today, NHL.com, not a single mention, not a single mention of what happened last night on their front page. They mentioned Ovechkin leaving the game. They mentioned the Rangers being eliminated from playoff. Not a single mention of Wilson and his crap again. Get him out, NHL. Do your jobs. Anyway, hour number one done. Hour number two coming up next. Stick around. Cumberland's ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. Tony C. in the big chair, live from the palatial ESPN studio, high atop Industrial Boulevard, at least 10 feet up. On the south side of the Queen City, uh, baby. Reminder, uh, several ways to get involved on the show. Check out our Twitter pages, uh, at ESPN Morning Rush, and my page, at Rush Tony C., our Facebook page at Cumberland's ESPN Radio. All of those pages, free and open to the public. Like them, follow them, uh, drop us a line. Uh, like Matt did, and I missed this last hour, so I apologize to Matt. Uh, Matt checking in. We're talking about LeBron James. And James uh, doing an about face on the whole playing tournament because last year he was in favor of it. This year... Uh, now that the Lakers are in danger of actually playing in the playing tournament, uh, LeBron, not too happy. And he's crying and he's whining about uh, a person should be fired who came up with the playing tournament. <laughs> Matt checks in and says, am I the only person that doesn't think it's a bad thing if LeBron misses the playoffs? <laughs> no, you are not. No, you are not. Well, make no mistake about it. Uh, the NBA wants LeBron and the Lakers in the playoffs. I mean, it's L.A. It's a major market. LeBron, whether you like him or you hate him, uh, people tune in to watch LeBron James, who is 
make no mistake about it, one of the greatest basketball players to ever live. That is not even a question. He's also one of the biggest whiners and criers to ever live to. He whines and cries about everything. Everything. Which really just turns people off from him. And I think that's a big reason why whenever you say, you know, hey, uh, who's the greatest of all time, Michael Jordan and LeBron James, if you live long enough to see both, people lean towards Mike. Mike didn't really do a whole lot of crying about this and whining about that. and You know, he just won six championships. So, no, Matt, um, I think there are a lot of people who would be more than happy uh, to see LeBron James sent home and not make the playoffs. In particular, um, most of the teams in the Western Conference. So that's... <laughs> so, hey, just like Matt did, you can drop me a line uh, at those Twitter pages uh, or on Facebook. Also, take your calls on the rush line, 301-759-2628. Your chance to dial and dance. Shamon, 301-759-2628. And our podcast page on the free Podbean app. We upload every show every day, minus commercials. So you can go back and check out anything that you missed. Uh, Like if you missed the first hour, you missed us talking about LeBron James and the NBA and the playing tournament and the red-hot Washington Wizards. You missed me calling for a season-long suspension for Tom Wilson and the Capitals for doing quite basically what Tom Wilson does, and that's try to injure and maim people on purpose. So you can check it all out on the podcast page, again, on the uh, Podbean app. All right, uh, one more time today. Let's rock around the region. I want to rock right now. And we start with Major League Baseball, where the Pirates' uh, Tyler Anderson took a no-hitter into the seventh inning last night in San Diego. But the first batter of that seventh inning was Will Myers. Broken bat, ground ball through the right side, base hit for Will Myers. And Machado will move on to third. Not only is the no-hitter gone, but now first and third with nobody out. The Padres threatening to take an early lead. Joe blocked the call on the Pirates radio network, and they did take the lead as Machado scored on a sack fly, and then... 1-1, a fastball hit to right center, and that's down. That's going to score Myers easily. Nola will head into second with a two-out RBI double. San Diego leads 2-0 in the seventh. 2-0 the final. As Anderson loses a no-hitter and the game, he actually took the loss because the Pirates can't score. They were shut out for the second game in the row. They have not scored a run in 20 straight innings. And since moving a game above 500 at 12 and 11, they have not won since. Uh, they have now lost five straight. Elsewhere, the Orioles uh, rally past the Mariners in Seattle 5 to 3, trailing 3 nothing. Cedric Mullins and Freddie Galvis each hit a two-run homer in a five-run eighth inning for the O's, who have now won a four of their last five, and they are one game under uh, 500. Nationals off yesterday. They opened a three-game series tonight against the Braves uh, at Nationals Park. On the ice last night, uh, speaking of those Capitals, uh, they're back in first place. To Backstrom along the near board, and a turnover in front. Alone is sprung, a shot, and he scores! 
Daniel Sprong picks up a turnover in front of Shesterkin, and it's 4-3 Washington. John Walton, the call on the Capitals Radio Network, 6-3 the final as Washington gets the win at MSG without TJ Oshie, without Evgeny Kuznetsov, and without Alex Ovechkin. Now, Ovechkin did return from injury, played just one shift, and didn't come back. Nick Dowd had a goal and assist for the Caps, who are now tied with Pittsburgh for first in the East Division, each with 71 points. The Pens were destroyed by the Flyers in Philly 7-2. It was embarrassing. Sidney Crosby, Jason Zucker scored for the Pens, who did get Evgeny Malkin back after a 23-game absence. Didn't help. It was just a bad, it was a bad look. I texted things that I cannot repeat on the air. Because I simply could not believe that this team, with an opportunity to hold on the first place in the division, takes on a team that was eliminated from the playoffs like days before. Philadelphia season's over. They cannot make the playoffs. And the Penguins go in and get absolutely obliterated by the Flyers. Ah, you can sit there and say, oh, it's the rivalry. It's the Keystone State rivalry. It's one of the nastiest rivalries. And I don't care. For the Pens to go in and lay that egg was embarrassing. The Flyers had 45 shots. On go- 40, in case you don't follow hockey, that's a lot. 45 shots on goal by Philly last night. They more than doubled them up in face-off wins. They, they well, let's see. Actually, the Penguins did score uh, two power play goals, so the Flyers won. But it was just an absolute beatdown. And the Pens were on a roll. They had won, what, three in a row heading in, four in a row, something like that? You're fighting for first place in the division, which means you're fighting for home ice advantage at least in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Because remember, top four teams, each division, make the playoffs. First two rounds are interdivisional. So one will play four, two will play three. Winner of that first round will play each other in the second round. So right now it is, uh, what's it's, it's a, uh, Caps, the Pens. They're tied for first, but technically the Caps are ahead. It's the Caps, Pens, Islanders, and Bruins. I do believe that's how the standings go. Let me double-check just to be sure. I don't want to give any false information out here. Uh, see, I was wrong. It's actually it's Caps, Pens, Bruins, and Islanders. So if the playoffs started today, which they don't, but it's getting close, it would be the Islanders at the Capitals for round one, in round one and the Bruins at the Penguins. Then a winner of uh, those two series will play each other. So if you finish first in the division, obviously you're going to host those first two rounds if you advance. That's why it's so important. That's why it was so important for the Penguins to win last night and hold on the first place in the East. But they go to Philadelphia, who right now is in sixth place in the division. No playoff hopes. They're eliminated, and, and they lose 7-2. to They get blown out. Just a disgusting and embarrassing performance by the flightless ones last night. I don't understand it. I don't get it. I'm sure the Flyers relish the role of, you know, spoiler, 
hey, let's, you know, let's be a thorn in the Penguin side and keep them from winning the division. I get it. But to be able to to not be able to match that intensity, to just come out and just just be absolutely flat in the game like I don't understand. It was a bad look for the Pens. Now they play again tonight, as a matter of fact. So back-to-back nights, Tristan Jari's back in net for the Pens. Maybe they turn it around, get the win. The Caps are off tonight, so... Wait, are they off tonight? Yeah, they play tomorrow. They play the Rangers again tomorrow. So the Pens a chance to jump back in the first place if they be, if they beat the Flyers uh, tonight. Uh, in the NBA last night, the Wizard of Westbrook did it again uh, in Washington. Westbrook, top of the arc, foul line, floats a Gavin slam. Two hands, two hands, and there it is. Russell Westbrook is tied his career high with 24 assists. And he does it on a Daniel Gafford slam that makes it 152-139 with 112 left. And he ties the franchise record with Kevin Porter for 24 assists. The call on Federal News Radio, 14 points, a career-high 21 rebounds, and a career-tying 24 assists for Russell Westbrook as the Wizards beat the Pacers in a big game, uh, 154-141 in D.C., just the third time in NBA history a player had a 20-plus rebound and 20-plus assist effort in the same game. Wilt Chamberlain did it twice, and that's it. Only two players have ever done that. Uh, Rory Hachimura had 27 points, and Bradley Beal had 26 for Washington, which now trails Indiana by a half game for the ninth spot in the Eastern Conference. They play again uh, this Saturday at Indiana. And in high school hoops, the West Virginia Boys State Tournament gets underway today in Charleston. Very first game of the day, tipping off here in a little more than an hour from now. In Class A, number 3 Pendleton County puts its 35-game win streak on the line when it faces number 6 Greenbrier West. Later today at 5.30, the first game of the second session, 8th-seeded Tucker County takes on number 1 man. And then right after that, in double A, number eight, Moorfield, uh, faces number one, Williamstown. And that is your Rock Around the Region brought to you by the Cap Rally Group. And a reminder, if you are in or around uh, the Kaiser area, you can catch all of the boys' tournaments, ga- boys tournaments games? Boys' tournament games <laughs> on our sister station, uh, AM 13. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Yeah, you were too late on that. That was too late. Very ineffective. Did not pull the trigger fast enough on it. Very ineffective. Anyway, on our sister station, AM 1390, all the games will be on that station. If you're in or around the Kaiser area, or you can catch the game streaming online at our mothership's website, wvmetronews.com. And, of course, Hampshire in action uh, tomorrow for the first time in uh, school history which is very, very impressive. And if you missed, we actually had uh, Hampshire head coach Danny Alkire on the show yesterday to talk about the Trojans' very first trip to the state tournament. If you missed that, check it out on our podcast page uh, on the free uh, Podbean app. So I mentioned Pendleton County in action today, very first game of the day. And uh, it's 35 straight. That's incredible. They haven't lost since the beginning of last season. And they qualified for the state tournament last year, but of course they didn't have one. So really unable to, you know, 
complete that, what they hope to be an undefeated season, they'll have a chance to get that started today. We hope. <laughs> we hope nothing happens in the next hour. But you have man as the top seed uh, in double A. Or I'm sorry, single A, single A, single A. They were double A last year because of the new classifications. Because man, look, last season, man, which I never, I, I can never get used to saying man. I mean, that's it's man high school, but it's just weird just to say man. They set a school record with 18 wins last year as a double A school. Because of the new classifications, they're now playing in Class A. Just so happens they went 13 and two this season, and they are the number one seed in Class A. And as I mentioned, they will take on Tucker County uh, later today in the quarterfinals. Tucker County, a uh, twelve and five this season, and man has a uh, man. He's <laughs> they have a man. Uh, Austin Ball is a six seven, and he averages nearly twenty points a game. And they also have Caleb, uh, Caleb Blevins, who's six four. They go, <laughs> man has two men. They go six four and six seven, and Blevins averages fifteen points a game. So good luck, Tucker County. That's going to be a tall task uh, for them, for sure. Of course, they're led by uh, Zach Colbank, who averages 17 points a game. And I don't know last time it's happened. You know, we talk about Hampshire, the boys making the tournament for the first time ever, which means that the Hampshire girls and boys made the tournament the same year. The girls, of course, played last week. Tucker County, same thing. Tucker County girls played last week. Tucker County boys playing today. Also playing today, as I mentioned, Moorfield, the number eight seed in double A. And what an incredible run Moorfield's had. We talked about this yesterday. You know, here's a team. (laughs) I mean, you talk about just getting hot at the right time. Here's a team that won the very first game of the season and lost 11 in a row. And then they haven't lost since. They beat Pocahontas County. They beat Kaiser to end the regular season. They beat Petersburg in the section semifinals. They beat Frankfurt in the section finals. And then they beat Braxton County in the region finals. And Moorfield, with six total wins, (laughs) they're playing today in the state tournament. And and you have that, right? You have that when you have the way these sections and regions are, are made. And the way they do things, you have... Teams with losing records making the state tournament. That's just the way it works out. Hey, if Frankfurt would have beaten Clay County on Thursday and they lost in overtime, Frankfurt would be there with five wins. Like, how crazy would that would that have been? Because when you looked at the way the region's kind of set up, uh, Clay County was the number one team in that region heading into the postseason. Uh, Braxton County was the number two team in the region. And then South Harrison was number uh, three. Then Frankfurt was four. Petersburg was five. Moorfield was six. Moorfield was the very last team in that region, seeding-wise. And they're to the state tournament. If Frankfurt would have pulled that off against Clay County, you would have had a five-win Frankfurt team and a six-win Moorfield team representing that region in the state tournament. That would have been bonkers. That would have been crazy. While Clay County and Braxton County didn't even go. But again, that's just that's the way it's set up, and those crazy things happen. But Moorfield, tough task today. Williamstown is a, a hell of a basketball team. 
and it's going to take everything that Morfield has uh, to hang with Williamstown. And you go back to Pendleton County, I was actually uh, shortchanging the Wildcats. Uh, they've won 38 in a row, not 35. For some reason, I had the number 35 stuck in my head. They've actually won 38 games going back to the uh, start of the 2019-2020 season. Which is so daggone impressive. They played 15 games this year. They're obviously 15-0. They've won 14 of those 15 by double figures. The closest game they played this year, eight points. They beat Kaiser by eight. And Kaiser's a triple-A school. Pendleton County's a class-A school. Kaiser's triple-A. And he still beat him by eight. That's the closest margin they've had all season. So best of luck to them as well. It's always good. I know you may not have a rooting interest, but it's always good when you know local, regional teams go to something like the state tournament and do well and represent well. I mean, it's great and it's fine. We celebrate the fact that they're going, but you want them to, to do well. So teams like Pendleton County, Moorefield, Tucker County, Hampshire, uh, Martin. I know Martinsburg's a little ways away, but it's still the panhandle. We still talk about those teams, right? Martinsburg, uh, who else? Jefferson. We want those teams to do well. So we wish them well. And Because you know what? It gives me more stuff to talk about if they advance. <laughs> it makes my job harder if they lose in the first round and then they come back home. It's always good to follow those stories, for sure. So, double uh, A and class A get underway today, and then triple A and quad A tomorrow. We'll talk about triple A and quad A uh, tomorrow when these, uh, those games roll around. All right, uh, time for a break. Come back with more high school hoops. Unfortunately, and it's going to be a much more serious note when we come back, uh, there'll be one team playing on Thursday with really heavy, heavy hearts after an absolute tragic event on Sunday. And we'll talk about that next after news and weather. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, Cumberland's ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. Now, last uh, segment, we kind of hit on the uh, West Virginia Boys uh, State Basketball Tournament getting underway today. I gave you a brief preview. Uh, Moorefield's playing today. Uh, who else? Pendleton County. And there was one more, Tucker County. And there's a game scheduled to be played Thursday in Quad A between Morgantown and Beckley Woodrow Wilson. And I say scheduled for a reason. Because just something this unfathomable happened on Sunday. Uh, A Beckley Woodrow Wilson player that Dwayne Richardson was shot to death in East Beckley. An 18-year-old kid. Uh, Police say he was shot in the chest about 9.20 a Sunday evening. Uh, There was a private vehicle taking Richardson to the hospital when they flagged down police as they were responding to the scene. EMS was there as well. They put him in the ambulance. They, They performed... Uh, life-saving measures, transported him to Raleigh General. Uh, He was flown from there to somewhere else, and the young man died. 18 years old. 18. 
Uh, Police say there is a person of interest in the shooting, but no arrests uh, have been made. And yesterday, Fred Persinger from WV Metro News, uh, he calls games. he, He is one of the guys, Just he is high school sports in West Virginia. He calls games for the state tournaments. Uh, he's been a part of Metro News forever. And he was on a talk line with uh, Hoppy Kirchival, uh yesterday morning. Dwayne, I, I certainly did not know him as well as my son does, who does the play-by-play for Beckley all season long. But still, I had watched the young men play several times. And just one of those kids that, Coach, what do you need me to do for the team? That's what we'll do. Uh, he was a part-time starter. When one of the other guys went down, that guy came back. He became the sixth man off the bench and played extremely well. Averaged about 8.6 points per game for the Flying Eagles this season. And, again, I talked with Ron Kidd yesterday. And that was just in, in Parkersburg getting ready for the Boys State Tournament this week. And certainly long before anything, we ever knew anything was like this was going to happen. And I asked Ron, I said, how deep do you go now on your bench, Coach? And he said, really, one person. That's it. One person, and that person is Dwayne Richardson. Uh, so um, I, I have since this morning also spoken with the head coach, Ron Kidd, at uh, Woodrow Wilson High School. And uh, he is the, they've got grief counselors there at the school. Uh, he was going back because he had to take over a class for someone who was involved in that. And uh, you know, it was just a horrible, horrible situation, certainly. Now, what if Fred was saying there, and in case you don't know, uh, every year, you know, if, if your team qualifies for the state tournament, there is a coaches meeting that coaches have to go to in Parkersburg. And Fred, he was talking. He's, he talked to Coach Kid that Sunday afternoon, and he was talking about you know Dwayne Richardson. You know how deep does your bench go? One. That's it. And then can you imagine? Can you imagine? And then that that evening, finding out that one of you know his players shot to death, and of course this goes far beyond basketball. I mean, I, you know this this is you think about his family. I mean, you never ever ever could be prepared for something like that. You know, a junior in high school, an eighteen year old kid. Now, you're reading through the story right now, there's there's very little information as, as, as to, again, there's a person of interest, no arrest, nothing as far as like what happened, why it happened, you know, how it happened. But such, and again, this is bigger than basketball, but such a tragic thing on the, on the eve of the state tournament as Woodrow Wilson, again, they're scheduled to play Morgantown on Thursday. And later in Hoppy's show yesterday, as they continue to talk about the story, he had Morgantown head coach uh, Dave Tallman on the show uh, to talk about the, the whole thing. It's not the kind of interview you would expect on a Monday morning going into state tournament week, is it? No, not at all, Hoppy. Um, you know, my heart's broken for, um, you know, Dwayne Richardson's uh, family and for his coaches and his teammates. Um, you know, this is a, this is a coach's worst nightmare, um, for, for those guys. And, you know, we're, we're pretty close with them off the, off the court. So I can't imagine what they're going through today. Do you, as a coach of young men, do you worry about kids? Do you worry 
Well, I mean, you have them when you have them at a particular time. You know what they're doing, and and we don't know the circumstances of this. But do you worry about your kids? Yeah, I mean, you know, basketball is just a game, and you know, we we get into this business for the relationships with with these young people, and and try to be for them, be there for them anytime you know we can. And uh, you know, like I said, I know Coach Kid and Coach Folks and those guys down at Beckley, and and I have the utmost respect for them. They're actually, you know, they're very good friends of ours, and we just spent some time with them a couple weeks ago, and. Uh, I just can't imagine, you know, what they're dealing with. But, you know, absolutely, those guys right now, I'm, I'm sure their hearts are broken. And this was a teammate, a friend, uh, uh, you know, a student uh, at their school. And, uh, you know, our prayers are definitely with the Beckley community. Dave Tillman's with his Morgantown High coach. And the the inevitable question is, I mean, you're scheduled to play them on Thursday. I think it's 7-15. Nobody's thinking much about the game now, certainly, but – it is scheduled. Do you play? Do you even play that game? I would assume so. I would assume that you know that, that they'll be there, and, and I'm, I'll assume that we'll get their best effort. I'm sure they'll be very inspired, and uh, you know. But that's today. Today's not about basketball. You know, today's about this young man and his family, and and, and that school and that program, and you know, we'll. Uh, I'm sure we'll compete on Thursday, but uh, if they need a shoulder to cry on or hug before after the game we'll be there for him and i just uh you know this is just a, a terrible horrible tragic uh incident that uh nobody saw coming for sure and um i i don't even have really the words to to put out there right now but um i just hope they know that everybody around the state's got their back and uh that's one thing about west virginia coaches you know we're a very tight-knit group and uh anything they need will be there for them now again that was uh, Morgantown head coach Dave Tallman, and uh, the game's actually Thursday at 5.30, and not 7.15, like Hoppy said, and they're going to play. They're going to play that game on Thursday because uh, Fred Persinger, who we played just a little uh, while ago, he spoke with Coach Kidd from Beckley, and uh, they decided to play. And he basically he left it up to the team. And the team said that's what they want to do. And to be honest, uh, yesterday when this story came out, a couple of, uh, a couple of guys here in the building we were talking about it because you, you you see something like this and you try to process it. And like Coach Tallman said, obviously basketball is secondary to this, but the tournament does start today, and there is a game scheduled for Thursday. And of course, the question was yesterday. You know, what are they going to do? Are they going to play? And I said, if 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 I could bet on it, which obviously you don't, but if I could, I would bet they play. I see because just looking at it, thinking about it from a, a coach's perspective, you just had the feeling that that's what they were going. To, the coach was going to leave it up to the team, and you would be completely. It would be completely understandable. If the kids are like, no, we can't do this. Like, you would completely understand that, right? If the players on that team said, like, there's no way we can play this game four days after this tragedy. And you'd be like, okay, we get it. But then you also understand that, you know what? We're going to play. We're going to play because, you know, guarantee that's what Dwayne Richardson would want them to do. They're going to play for him. In his honor, it's going to be one of the toughest things, if not the toughest thing, 
that these players will ever ha- have gone through in their in their young lives. Or at least one of the toughest, anyway. I don't, I don't know their backgrounds and their lives, but you can only imagine. And that's the thing. You could only imagine. Like, it's impossible to even, like, wrap my head around, you know, having to get ready and prepare. Like, how do you prepare for that? What do you do? What do you say when you find out that this young man had his life taken away at 18 and then you go play a basketball game? Like, how do you even, how do you even get ready for that? But it did not surprise me at all when I found out that they were going to play on Thursday. It did not surprise me at all when the coach said, hey, guys, it's up to you. And the guy said, yeah, we're playing. We're going to play for Dwayne. We're going to play. So it didn't surprise me. But again, it wouldn't surprise me if they said no. Four days isn't nearly enough time. It's nearly enough time to, to process and move on from something like that. Not that you ever move on, but life does go on. And, and, and who knows? I mean, I, you give them credit for what in God they're in play and, and play for their teammate. But it's just a, just a terrible thing. And, of course, it sent shockwaves throughout the state yesterday. Uh, Senator Shelley Moore Capito, she responded. She was on talk line saying it was tragic. You know, a young life gone. Sen- senseless violence. And that's what, what it is. It's 18, 18. You know, and as a, as a father of a kid who's going to be 18 next month, I can't imagine what that family's going through and what's been going through since Sunday. You know, Governor uh, Jim Justice spoke up yesterday. He graduated, as a matter of fact, from Woodrow Wilson. And he said, you know, there was a shooting death last month of uh, a Capitol uh, High School senior, K.J. Taylor. And then you have Dwayne Richardson here. And, and Governor said, this has got to stop. And he's unfortunately, and he's right, you know, these shootings of teenagers have kind of become commonplace in our country. It seems like every time you turn around. And, and Justice, and this is a quote, he says, we cannot absolutely tolerate this kind of tragic events. We just can't. We're better than this, end quote. Daggone 18-year-old kid. And again, the investigation is ongoing. A uh, person of interest, they they reach out to the public. They have a, a, a what do you call it, like a, a tip line, and they're, and they're trying to seek public the public's help to kind of piece things together. And I'm I'm sure you know we will find out more. We'll learn more as this goes on. But it just the whole thing just is just awful. I don't know how you play. You know, uh, you heard Hoppy ask uh, Dave Tallman from Morgantown. You know, do you worry about your players? Sure, you do. Sure you do. Especially in this day and age, you worry about your players all the time. Right? Because you're in it for the players. That's that's why, you know, any coach worth his or her salt, you're in it for the players, especially at the middle school and the high school level. You know, when you're talking about college and you're talking even in college to an extent, I'll give you that much, but especially like in the NBA, you're doing it for money. That's your job. Right? You coach in the NBA. Not that they don't care about their players, but you know what I'm saying. NBA coaches, that's their job. That's their profession. They get paid. College coaches, that's their job. That's their profession. But they're still dealing with young men, 18, 19, 20-year-olds. You know, you're high school, middle school, you're in it for the – you should be in it for the players. If you're not, then you shouldn't be doing it. So, yeah, you worry about what they're doing, where they're going, who they're with. Sure you do. 
You know, because you look at them like, like your own. Right? That's just how it is. You know, we talked about this yesterday. You know, when when the season comes to an end, how hard it is because you spend all this time with these players, hours and days and weeks and months during the season, and then the season comes to an end, and it all just abruptly stops, and you develop a bond with these these kids. You know, I always refer to them as as my boys. You know, like any any team I've had, it's 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 my boys because because you look at them like your own sons. Like those are my boys, my boy. You know, I call well, I call my son my boy. So, when you're referring to you know the players, let's go boys, come on boys, because that's how you look at them. You know, you look at them as your sons and daughters whenever you coach. And yes, of course you worry about them, and it's just so sad and terrible that something like this has to happen. And it's got to stop. How it stops, your guess is as good as mine. But you feel for that family, you feel for that community. The Woodrow Wilson School, the teammates, the students, everybody. Because stuff like this, unfortunately, it happens. More than it should. All right, stick around. More of the Morning Rush. Cumberland's ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. Before we get out of here, let's check on the player who delivered, brought to you by All Seasons Landscaping and Supply Yard. And who else would it be? But the Wizard of Westbrook. Westbrook, top of the arc, foul line, floats a gap and slam. Two hands, two hands, and there it is. Russell Westbrook is tied his career high with 24 assists, and he does it on a Daniel Gafford slam that makes it 152-139 with 1.12 left. And he ties the franchise record with Kevin Porter for 24 assists. That call on the uh, Federal News Radio, not the Federal, it's just on Federal News Radio, Russell Westbrook, 14 points, 21 boards, 24 assists last night. 32nd triple-double of the season. That was a career-high in rebounds, career-tying effort with assists as the Wizards beat the Pacers 154-141. Washington is now 113 in the last 16. They are a half game behind Indiana for ninth place in the Eastern Conference. So Russell Westbrook for his another tremendous effort. Uh, the player who delivered brought to you by All Seasons Landscaping and Supply Yard. I mean, he has just been absolutely bonkers this season. Just nuts. So I keep on seeing here, we talked about Tom Wilson last hour, the Capitals goon who injured somebody else last night by playing cheap and dirty. Uh, I see people coming to his defense. Maybe not his defense, but saying that we're overreacting. Uh, Greg Wyshynski, who uh, writes for ESPN, he's a hockey, uh, he covers hockey, says that once again we're overreacting. When people say that Tom Wilson should be kicked out of the league, that we're overreacting. I just don't see it that way. I just don't see it that way. It's not just because of what he did last night. That's the kicker. You can't look at what happened last night and treat it as just a, a singular, like treat it by on its own. It's everything else that's come before that. The five suspe- five suspensions. 
And Lord knows the other questionable hits and plays that did not garner a suspension. It's a cumulative thing. And I I saw somebody on Twitter, and, and, and it's real simple. Enough is enough with Tom Wilson. You can't just treat what happened last night on its own. And again, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I, I, I retweeted the videos on Twitter. Obviously, that's where you retweet things. At ESPN Morning Rush and at Rush Tony C. And the things that he did last night were inexcusable. You know, holding a player down, putting a stick in the back of his neck and leaning on it, basically forcing his face into the ice and then punching him in the back of the head. And then even worse than that, pulling a player down by his hair and basically body slamming him, which could have been a lot worse than it was. That in itself is a, those are suspendable acts. But when you look at all of it, look at all of Tom Wilson's goonery and thuggery, he should be out. Gone from the league for the rest of the season and make him reapply to get back into the league. Enough is enough with this clown. And, and, and we've said it before when we've talked about Tom Wilson. He's actually a skilled hockey player. He is a good hockey player. But it's all this other crap that he just can't help himself. He can't help himself. Every time he has a window, an opportunity to take a cheap shot or a cheap hit or shove somebody's face to the ice or grab – what are you doing pulling the hair in a hockey game? What are you, in first grade? Every time he has a chance to take a pound of flesh, he takes it. That's the problem with Tom Wilson. His skills alone are undeniable. He's a good hockey player. He's a top-line forward. Or at the very least, top you know two. Is he in the top line of the Capitals? I think he is. His skills could speak for themselves. But he just can't help himself when it comes to taking runs at people and trying to injure and maim people. That's who he is. That's what he does. He needs to be gone. Don't forget, tonight we got Nationals baseball here on Cumberland's ESPN Radio. The Nats open a three-game series at home against their NL East foe, Atlanta. What are the standings there? Because NL East has been disappointing to date. I thought it'd be the best division in baseball, and it's kind of one of the more mediocre ones. Let me try that again. Mediocre ones right now. The Nats are actually in first place at 12-12, and so there you go. (laughs) There you go. That's how mediocre the NL East is. The Nats are at first at 12-12. and The Phillies are 14-15. and The Mets are 11-12. and The Braves are four games under. And the Marlins are five games. <laughs> That's incredible. The Braves are 12-16. and And this series tonight is a big one because they're only two games back of the Nats in first place. That's crazy. But anyway, uh, that game is tonight on the station, so check it out. And again, if you're in and around the Kaiser area, we have the uh, West Virginia Boys State Tournament starting here eh, a little over a half hour from now. And our sister station, AM 1390, will have all the game, every single game of the tournament on AM 1390 down in Kaiser. And, of course, you can catch all of the games streaming online 
at our mothership's website, wvmetronews.com. And that's it. Uh, we're done for a Tuesday. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about, of course, all the games that happened today in the tournament. The Penguins are playing tonight. We'll talk about that Nationals-Braves game. And could the Pirates maybe score a run? That might be the biggest news of tomorrow's show. Can the Pirates, who haven't scored a run in 20 straight innings, could they shock the world and have somebody cross a plate? We'll talk about all that and more tomorrow. Hope to see you then. Enjoy the rest of your day. Be back tomorrow, 7 a.m. sharp. This is the Morning Rush. I am Tony C., and I am done. See ya!